Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master Studios, where we talk tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. We're continuing our run on the superheroes and superhero games, and discussing on today, talking about the the setting and the the understanding the world around the heroes and the world in which they exist, and how that can add some flavor to your game. In the studio today, my name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator and hero of the hour. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, semi-professional DM, and hero of the future. And Ed. Our tips and tricks combined, I am Captain Gamer! Superheroes, part three. Today we are talking where do they exist? Talking about the setting, the world, the, uh, you know, is are you doing a very narrow scope? Are you doing a broad scope? Are we going campy? Are we going gritty? What type of, of different options do we have? Um, so let's kick right into that. Let's start with, uh, should we start with scope of the game? Yeah. So um, what we mean when we say the scope of the game is what you have so many different options as a superhero game. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be uh, managing a few blocks of downtown Manhattan. You can be protecting the city. You can be defending the country. You can be defending the world. You can be defending the galaxy. You can be covering all time. Um, yes, I pretty much stole that from the, from the picture on the net, but there's just a lot of different options, a lot of different scales to work with, which is really important, I think, to establish early on what type of a, of a level and scale of scope that you're working with. Right. So a lot of times when you read Marvel, you're going to notice a lot of specifically the minor characters are almost almost specifically based in New York. Anytime something happens with the X-Men, anytime something happens with Spider-Man, it's going to be in New York. That's. Uh, the Marvel writers writing what they know because exactly. they're based in New York. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just that's their setting that they're going to use. Yep. Uh, Daredevil is in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Spider Man's Ca- based out of Queens. Yeah, Luke Cage is in Harlem. I mean, these are these are that's how the how it runs. So maybe when you're creating your game, you're creating your city that you want the game to run in. Uh, and then that way you have a you know, sort of a narrow scope, but it's still it's still large in its own way. So, you know, OK, um, all the action or most of the action is going to happen around this city. It's going to happen around New York or whatever city you pick. Yes, there might be things that are just outside the city or just yep. outside the cityscape. You know, but pretty much everything's going to happen there. All the villains are going to show up there. All the plots are going to sort of affect it. Every four or five sessions, a random passerby will comment on how much happens in this town. Exactly. And then in that case, you can sort of just build your own city and then focus on how how you want your game to run in that city. So, you know, uh, again, I remember la- last session we were talking about the villain who was stealing the Omni tech from the Omni bomb. Well, where was he stealing it from? Is this a tech industry that's been mentioned four or five times in the game already? Because it would make sense. Omni Global Corp. Omni Global Corp. Of course. That's that's yeah, not uh, not OCP. 
Uh, that would be Omni Consumer Products. There we go. We, 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 we can go back. We can, we can do Omni Consumer Products instead. Just yeah, let's fix that in post. Uh, uh, so the so they're still stealing the Omni tech for the Omni bomb from Omni Consumer Products. Right. So maybe Omni Consumer Products has come up before. Maybe they created a uh, a, a robotic cop that can help defeat uh, crime in the city, and then he's shocked when they also have this other piece of tech that's important to the Omni bomb. And maybe this the CEO comes and you know asks the heroes for help, or maybe one of the heroes works for exactly. Omni Consumer Products subsidiary. Right. So basically, what you're doing when you're focusing it in a city and assuming it's a large city is you're still making a large world, but also making it small. You know, the the a lot of the the references you're going to give are probably going to pop up more than once, but they don't always have to. You know, again, New York has, you know, I don't know how many streets New York has. I've never been there, but it's quite a few, I'm sure. More than 12. Yeah, more than 12. I'm pretty sure I've heard of a 12th street. So there's got to be at least 12. Um, You know, there's so so many different streets, so many different uh, buildings, so many different just people in a large city as sort of a metropolis, if you will. Uh, of course, DC's versions, they have their own cities they make up. But again, it's usually city based. Well, and DC does the wonderful, the, the semi wonderful uh, where a lot of their heroes not only operate in uh, fictional cities, but it's almost one city per hero. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Superman has uh, Metropolis. Batman has Gotham. Um, Arrow has Star City. Star City. Yeah. Uh Central City, Central City, Central City and Keystone City for the for the two flashes. Right. DC Comics. Coastal City. For, yeah. Coast for, City for Green Lantern. For Green Lantern. Coast City. I'm sorry. Yeah. Butchered that one. Uh, yeah. And so you could certainly do that. You know, if your superheroes are maybe more powerful and sometimes you do sort of more of a world sort of scope instead of a city scope, then you could sort of let each of them sort of decide which city they're from. And they're sort of the the protector of that city. That'd be kind of neat. And that brings up the fun option for crossovers. Exactly. It really does. You know, yeah, when, why, when why? Batman goes to Metropolis, that's that's a story in and of itself. What are you doing here? It was just hilarious because I was going to bring it up as the story being Joker goes to Metropolis. Or th- that too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then so, but, but really when you're talking about your, when you're talking about your sort of cityscape, um, idea that really that's packing the entire game into that one sort of setting. You want it in this city. Now it doesn't have to be a large city. It could be a small town. You could maybe be doing like a smallville style or a, uh, um, what the hell is Buffy? Sunny, 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 a uh, smallville style or like Sunnydale or something like that, where it's really strange that a lot of super things happen around this small town, but nah, they do. And you have to deal with it. No, no, no. It's, it's all, explained well yes yeah, so you definitely want to come up with the explanation yeah. uh obviously uh smallville the green meteorocks were doing everything and of course in sunnydale well there's a hellmouth, but and and that's actually one of the useful things for doing this the superheroes the comic book style is you can say whatever it is and okay yeah that works because this is the way it is this is the way yeah, the world it's is. just the way the way the world works oh there's a portal to hell okay that explains a lot Yep. <laughs> Stupid cough. 
So you can certainly do that where everyone's in sort of a centralized city location, or you can say, well, maybe I want my characters to explore more of the world. Uh, In this concept, they're sort of maybe agents uh, that maybe work for a government and help to, to squash terrorism. Um, Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're independent, but you just have the villains pop up sporadically around the world. Uh, one inspiration you can do for that, of course, is geopolitical hotspots, that sort of thing. You know, you can have your heroes going, you know, really to the to the Middle East or, you know, North Korea or places where there's, you know, a lot of bad things going on and trying to stop them. Maybe and may, I know we're going to be talking about different settings. Maybe your setting is in, you know, uh, uh, the the early 40s and your characters are fighting you know, in world war two. So they have to be in Europe or maybe even in Japan, depending on where, where you want to send them. Or you could take the DC comics approach. It's in the early forties and they need to be in America because America's finest are fighting the war in Europe and Indeed. they need someone to protect the home front. Indeed. So you can, you can certainly uh, expand from just the one city and, and go to more of a, a sort of a travel uh, based sort of world hopping, well, I don't want to say world hopping. That sounds like planet to planet. Globe hopping. Globe hopping uh, or globe trotting. Yeah. Let's say globe trotting. Uh, a globe trotting style game. Now, and for that, a lot of the inspiration you can use actually would come from your more typical uh, gaming like, you know, D&D or that sort of thing. Oh, the characters have to travel to X location to find X villain who's doing bad thing. And there may be dangers along the way. And there may be dangers along the way. And there's also there's a lot of the source material, you know, we've talked in reference in, in superhero comics that uses that format as well. You've got, you know, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series. They're jetting all over the mm-hmm. all over the world. You've got even, you know, the Justice League They're They've got a base on the moon so they can teleport where they need to go. Right. You can get a lot of different locales, a lot of different stuff coming up and put them in situations that the heroes might not be too comfortable with. Exactly. Uh, and uh, another example of this often underlooked as a possible superhero. But if you say uh, a non-powered uh, hero with some tech, uh, 007 James Bond, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, OK, he's sort of more of an action hero. But in my in my book, action heroes are sort of low level superheroes anyway. Uh, he, he goes all over the world fighting bad guys. He has a lot more political and espionage type stuff. But Indeed. I could absolutely see if you want to if you wanted to say James Bond fits under as a tech superhero, I would not be sitting here arguing that. Right. And an espionage style game might just be what your care, what your uh, players want or what you kind of want to throw at your players. So that might be an interesting setting there. Black ops superheroes out there. Exactly. Um, you know, and honestly, even even Captain America is sort of fits that build. I wouldn't say black ops, but he uh, at the very least in the movie verse uh, in his first movie, once he joined the fight, he was all over uh, Europe trying to take down Hydra bases, which because Hydra was aligned with, you know, Nazi Germany was essentially he was fighting the Nazis. Um, so that's an example of that. And of course, you have other heroes who either have been or are, uh, you know, black op, black op style characters or secret agents, that sort of thing. Hellboy. And Hellboy, yeah, exactly, yeah. Adds it adds the supernatural element, but you know, there are things that go bump in the night. And we bump back. Yeah, exactly. And the, 
you know, they, they travel to find the bad thing that's happening. And the bad thing is usually some sort of supernatural force. So, so why not? It, they, your players can be a political strike team, or maybe they're just reacting to some bad supernatural thing that happened in, you know, some farming village in, you know, in Asia, you know, they're going to investigate it, see what the problem is because maybe they're the only ones that can stop it. Um, so then if we go and zoom out even further, we mm-hmm. have kind of the galactic scope. Yeah. The galactic scope where your characters are assisting the galaxy in terrible things that could be happening. Yeah. You've got the option to, to jump from world to world. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a little, well, it's a little Star Trek, Star yeah. Wars there, you know, Star yeah. Trek being a little more of the tech heroes where Star Wars has a bit more magic type heroes. Yeah, this is definitely going to be maybe a different setting. If you wanted to play like superheroes in space, this would be the sort of the way to do it. And, you know, honestly, a really good example and some source material for this. And I, I, I use it a lot, but it would be Mass Effect. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have the high tech that allows them to do the things which is in this case going from um, uh, system to system and planet to planet and also with some high-tech weaponry and armor and and, and scanning devices, that sort of thing. But if you really, if you look at the the main character of the games, they are badasses that can take down tons of minions. They're they're basically superheroes and some of them even have powers, which tell me that's not a superhero. You better. Dare I mean, not there, there are there are traditional yeah. heroes out there that are, you know, interplanetary galactic hopping, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's right in the yeah. name. Yeah. Green Lantern is, you know, buzzing throughout our space. But yeah, I, I feel that some of the best references for looking for an intergalactic scope is going to be a little more on the sci fi. You know, you're exactly. Mass Effect, Star Wars, Star Trek. Exactly. When you're. Definitely, definitely look at other comics that already do it, but for uh, some varying uh, references, you know, other sci-fi that does it, you know, look at Star Wars, look at Star Trek, look at Mass Effect, other sci-fi games that you might like or stories that you might like and say, okay, well, this was interesting. This isn't in the comic books, but I could probably make it work, you know, Uh, and, and then you run that for your group. That would probably be an interesting adventure. Even if you find a fantasy adventure that you're like, huh, I wonder if I could convert this to science fiction somehow, which more than likely you can, uh, you know, that would even be an interesting way to do it. Yeah. And I think I think that also, you know, we're, we're actually bleeding over into one of the other topics we wanted to talk about, which was the alternate settings. Yeah, different settings. Um because we've kind of brought up you there, the heroes, the sci-fi heroes. Um, and we're, you were talking, you know, there's, you can do heroes in a fantasy situation. Right. Um, exactly. In many ways, you could argue that D and D at high levels is a fantasy superhero game. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I certainly believe that, you know, you have the, the fighter in armor who, you know, can take down, uh, uh, an army in melee combat. If he needs to, you know, you have, of course, your, your clerics and whatnot, your spellcasters who can either, you know, rewrite reality, re- rewrite reality, heal masses of people. Excuse me. You have, you know, some mages who can raise armies of the dead, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff out there that is very, if you really look at it and sort of analyze it, it's very sort of super heroic. You know, rogues are a little more along like invisibility, teleportation, yep. pass wall type stuff, but 
still very much superhero power simulation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so you can definitely do like fantasy heroes. Uh, that can be fun. Um, and you, you can do this one of two ways. You can have your superheroes be displaced into a fantasy setting, or you can say, Hey guys, I'd like to run a game for, you know, maybe four or five or six sessions. That is just superheroes and fantasy. I think that'd be fun, you know, and just go run with that. So you can do it one of the other ways. Western superheroes. I know Jerry, you've kind of mentioned that yeah, Western settings there. There was, there was a run for, for a little while where DC comics tried to do, um, heroes in the old West and kind of bring it together. Not a lot of that made it to mainstream popularity. There was a Jonas Hex movie a few years ago that did not get wide critical uh, right. acclaim. Yeah, um, it, didn't, it didn't do well in the box office. But you can still kind of mix it with those Western tropes. Um, there's also, there was the superheroes in horror, mm-hmm, which you, because ha- you have to escalate the threat to the point where it you now threatens these superheroes to have if you wanted to do a traditional horror where they actually have the concern or you can try to turn it on its head by having and we've seen crossovers actually out in comics like you know the heroes versus the aliens for the alien series or the predator where you've got um these monsters that normally create a a horror setting up against somebody who could take them face to face you know Mm -hmm. on that same power level and how does that change the dynamic of the story that they have uh, yeah, and you could even you can even stick with sort of modern settings and do like heroes. You know, we mentioned this earlier: heroes in world, you know, World War Two or World War One, or you know, various yeah. pockets through our own you know recent history. Your James Bond espionage heroes that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, exactly. Um, tying them into a political type game, and in all these really kind of come down to you know you have protagonists with above normal abilities you have recurring villains who can meet the heroes on their own level you have the clash between good and evil it all just comes down to kind of that same basic broad moral scope there's a lot of different options there um so when you're thinking of running your superheroes game don't shoehorn yourself into well it's got to be modern plus where there's a little bit of extra tech and everybody wears spandex, you know, and everybody wears spandex, which actually we'll be getting to here in a moment. But uh, the you can you can switch the settings up and really run any sort of setting that you want. You know, you can do underwater setting if you're clever enough. You know, you can have an underwater city and everyone's a, you know, a fish. I don't know. Super. Su- oh, super. Oh, you mean there's underwater superheroes? <laughs> Yeah, the ocean covers 70% of the planet. And Aquaman does his job, which is why you don't hear about villains or crime in the ocean. Yeah, indeed. Um, you think you, Superman thinks he has a bad protecting metropolis. <laughs> this one city, bro. <laughs> a wonderful moment in one of the comics uh, where they lost, where Aquaman fell in battle. And they're like, uh, Aquaman protects 70% of the Earth. And we're trying to save the whole Earth. So that's not a minor loss. Right. Um, I was thinking... Pirate superheroes. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you might want to restrict some powers like flight, but maybe not teleportation. That could be fun. Teleport over to the next ship and start doing some stuff. I mean, being able to have like one or two people fly. Yeah. Would be nice. Or having like limited flight where like I can fly for like 30 seconds. Right. Or a jump and hover kind of deal. Yeah. Like I can I can jump from this ship to that ship, even though we're still 100 yards apart. Right. Which, but I can't just fly indefinitely. Right. 
Obviously, you just don't you don't want to you don't want to be like, oh, really cool, uh, really cool setting here and then sort of break the setting with like things that'll just break it. Actually, I don't know if anything would break a pirate superhero game more than I want to play a hydrokinetic. Right. Someone who has telepathic control over water. Yeah. Let's let's maybe (laughs) stick away from that. Yeah. Uh, But those are some various settings that you can use. Obviously, there are there are more out there. Be creative when you're coming up with your superhero game. Maybe you do want just sort of a standard, you know, uh, modern plus in the cityscape or, you know, you can expand it uh, the more experience you get with it. Yeah, just although I, I think you do hit the point where you ha- where you have to be careful if you if you go too wide, kind of like we were talking, you start crossing over. Yeah, um, which is maybe why they were they spend a lot of time focusing on heroes in just their own cities or in or everyone right. in New York. Yeah, and if you sort of look at it with D and D, each of the each of the heroes has sort of their own city, but then the Justice League protects the Earth from galactic encounters. And that oh, sort of you thing. mean DC? Didn't you, I say that? You said D and D. Oh man! So so you're like, oh, each hero has their. I get, own. I get well, my, I got my gamer uh, wires crossed yeah. there for a second. Each uh, hero has their own city. Like Kelvin Blackstaff is protecting Waterdeep, and El Minster is protecting Shadowfell. <laughs> see, it, it it's a perfect blend. You just have to, you just yeah. have to really think it through, and, and you'll be able to do it. It, it's it's really just kind of a mindset for approaching it more than anything else. Right. And speaking of mindsets, I believe we have one more topic to cover. Yes. We had one more bit that we wanted to do, and that's the, the sliding scale of uh, campy versus realistic or, or campy gritty. versus gritty. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like the scale goes like campy into realistic and then past that into gritty almost. Yeah. Which can sometimes loop back around to campy. Yeah, yeah, and then if you go too far, you wind up back on the campy end of the scale. It's a vicious cycle. So, okay, so obviously campy, you can go as far as the 1960s Batman, uh, where everything is just super camp, super fun, super uh, cartoony. And for all of those people that are trying to deny it, you can't. The Adam West TV show was an accurate reflection of what was going on in the comics at the time. It certainly was. A lot of people say no to it, but it was. Um, the, you know, and in that sort of setting, you know, maybe you have a campier setting where everyone does have a superhero name and a gimmick. They have a specialized costume, probably spandex clad, you know, heroes are oftentimes going to be wearing capes, you know, attending mundane activities in their heroic persona. Yes. That's the best. Let's go to the picnic in our costumes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. We're we're going to go open a new checking account <laughs> as <laughs> as Omni Man. Omni Man. Oh, this is the Omni Bomb create Omni Man. Oh dear. I don't know. Maybe Omni Man is the one creating the Omni Bomb. <gasps> Infinity Loop. Back on track here. So I'm you can trying be- to come up with the name of one of my own characters that would fit. <laughs> right. You can certainly be, you can have some camp or you can be totally campy or you can just have some camp where there are people in costumes. I think uh, the current Marvel universe kind of mixes campiness and realism fairly well. You know, everyone does sort of have their own sort of nickname and costume and and deal, but they try to make everything look as functional as as possible. And, you know, you also have the fact that even though everybody has their own code name, they're running around referring to each other by their first names often. Right. They all call Cap Steve. They all call Iron Man Tony, you know, or Stark, you know. Yeah. I mean, Thor is Thor. That's just his name. But 
Yeah, but they refer they refer to each other as the person they are, and it's their fans or the media who refer to them as their superhero identity, even if they have a public identity. Like Steve Rogers is Captain America, uh, Iron Iron Man or Tony Stark is Iron Man. People know that, but Thor is Thor. Thor, Thor, Thor is Thor. Is Thor. Um, <laughs> uh, and you also have to decide there. You know the villains. Do the villains? know who the heroes are right the heroes know who the villains are or do they only know each other by code names right yeah there's plenty of that uh everywhere and examples of how that works in any of those directions like i believe it's either speculated or known i guess it depends on the iteration but like the joker i think typically knows it's bruce wayne but he doesn't he doesn't tell anybody he doesn't care doesn't want anyone else to know because to him it's it's funny well it changes it changes by iteration one of the right. one of the common ones is he knows it's bruce wayne but he doesn't care about bruce wayne he mm-hmm. cares about the batman yeah and and a lot of you know I, I i said that but also in a lot of iterations neither of them have any idea who the other one really is i don't right. think batman the, ever really knew who the joker no was. no one ever really seems to know who the joker is uh like you know in the 89 movie they gave him an identity yeah. and they gave him a background, which is, it's fine. You know, they've, they've done that and in the, the comics. And, sometimes and they did it in the dark Knight as well. Yeah. It, you know, it was, it was more subtle. There was actually some interest. I've seen some interesting talking clues, but, but the, you know, the more, the more sort of popular, I guess, yeah. iterations of the Joker are, he has, he has no past or he's erased it so well, or he was just some guy who was never in the system and became the Joker. Yep. You know, could very well be true. And in general tradition for DC, when they have all of like the different heroes and stuff, Joker, real name, unknown. Mm-hmm. Right. Which yeah. I think he's the, he's one of the only ones that they. Yeah, they don't do it a lot. They do it. So as a as a. Yeah, I mean, he's the most ambiguous background character yeah. of all time. I think in all of in all of comic books, like most comic books, there's some iteration of a past of of, of some sort, whether there used to be or not. You know, there is now, but the Joker, they just don't touch it. Right. Um, but, you know, uh, in that in that sort of opposite stretch, you might know very well who it is that you're facing. You know, you look at the the first Iron Man movie, you know, when Tony Stark was facing uh, Obadiah Stane. Obadiah Stane. I had his name and then I lost it the second I was trying to say it. Then you hate when that happens. You know, when when those two were going at each other, they knew exactly who they were. You know, uh, really, you watch most of the Marvel movies. They know the real name of the person they're going after. That's when they can get personal nitty gritty. I never liked you anyways. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> that, that really Your does. soup sucks. That really does fall into the realism side because, you know, there's a limit to who it could be. And once you find out, you know, you yeah. know, you can't. You fu- absolutely know that Iron Man is Tony Stank. Huh? Huh? Well, that's not a spoiler that. for anyone. <laughs> and that can't like once and once you learn that, once that cat is out of the bag, it doesn't go back in. You yeah. can't forget that um, under normal circumstances. Right. Um, I referenced identity crisis uh, an episode or two ago, which a lot of the, the problem there came with. How do they how does an identity get unrevealed? Well, you could just be Superman and kiss it away. I believe assuming, I guess assuming the, uh, the, the, the person is, you know, that you're trying to get rid of the memory kind of wants to kiss you a little bit, you know, let's not be uh, creepy about it. Is he eating a, he's ripping off a business card. Yeah. 
You've got a bone right there. Deeper. Um, what are we on? Oh, keep your ready. So, all right. So, so we've kind of gone over the campiness and then kind of the, a the good sliding mesh. into the realism. Let's slide into the gritty side. So into the, into the gritty side. Uh, so first of all, you have some references and then you have other references that try to be gritty and don't do it very well. But I, I think the, the ones that, that really hit sort of the grittiness and realism, uh, obviously uh, Nolan's uh, Dark Knight series is really based in realism other than like, you know, the bomb in the third movie didn't make a lot of sense. But other than that, bomb you know, in the first movie didn't make a lot of sense. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, let's let's evaporate all the water. Okay, people are kind of no, made out of water. Nobody boils water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or takes steamy showers. Or right. Uh, and then the uh, a really good example would be the the most recent uh, next Netflix. What they've been doing their series that they've had for for comics, specifically uh, starting with Daredevil, which I think is probably their A plus. Um, that's even though there's a lot of sort of mystical stuff that goes on in some of their series and some supernatural stuff, boy, is that really sort of down to earth and really just gritty, you know, and for the most part, I would say the fight scenes are just super realistic. Like, you know, sometimes you get, you know, the unrealistic fight scene, like the guy with no weapons against the dude with the chain knife. And for some reason he's slicing him up and the guy's just still fighting realistic. Realistically that wouldn't happen, but eh, it's a superhero thing. So why not? Yeah. If I think gritty and I think superhero or especially movies, the first thing that comes to my mind is the Watchmen. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's a good one. Like, like especially the fact that in that movie, like they're mostly pulp heroes anyways. So it has like the, you know, they automatically gives it that realistic touch, but just, you know, having friggin' Rorschach throwing grease at the prisoner when he's in jail, like, I'm not trapped in here with you. Yeah. You're trapped in here with me. Right. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I got tingles. <laughs> that might be a little bit more on just sort of on the, the gritty violence side. Uh, Watchmen does have a little bit of uh, camp to it where they have outfits and that sort yeah. of thing. But I think for the most part, I definitely agree with well, you. Like, That's a really good example. Especially if you're looking at the movie as opposed to the graphic novel, they approach it in a very, even though, again, they... They're all wearing costumes, so it has that campy factor, but they're approaching it like this very gritty, realistic fashion. Like, well, yeah. we were a bunch of cops, and we needed to get these idiots off the streets, so we put on costumes so no one would recognize us, Yeah, and it turned into a thing. Yeah, and then over time, like, I think the most advanced uh, costume in there would be... Uh, owl? What's no, Night Owl, right? Yeah. Uh, would be would be Night Owl. He, yeah. He's essentially the Batman. You know, he had all yeah. the the, giz, the gizmos yeah, the and gizmos stuff. Guys that, you know, night vision Blue Beetle and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, that's just especially like just just the the cinematic approach to the movie like just gives it a very gritty feel. So that's the first thing that pops to my mind. Yeah, and that's definitely a really good example. Um, also, I think a good example for to to look at for like campy realism, gritty, blah blah blah, and how to work along those scope. Actually came to mind when you were talking about Daredevil, and that's injuries. Yeah, because you in the gritty Make side injuries matter. In the in the gritty side, you know you get you get your arm broken, you're in a sling for weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the campy side, oh, it, it didn't actually break my arm; it just twisted it. I'm okay now. Yeah, it's definitely going to work best with sort of lower powered guys. You know, obviously Superman's arm isn't going to break, or if it does, it's not going to stay that way for very long. Yeah, the Flash is going to heal it off in a couple hours. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just one of those things. 
but you can certainly with a lower power game, you can say, okay, well I broke your arm. You're actually going to have to deal with that arm being broken for a while. And as a GM, if you are trying to do a gritty game, make them deal with that broken arm. Don't just say, okay, a couple months pass and you're fine. Make them deal with it. You know, say this is a thing your character has to deal with for, for a while. A really good sort of source from that too would be, and I, I honestly, I think the Netflix stuff sort of borrows from it sometimes is, uh, any uh, noir fiction, no, uh, the detectives in, in noir novels and, and, and stuff, they're always getting hurt for most of the thing. I think, I, I think Chinatown, Jack Nicholson, his nose is broken for most of the movie, wouldn't it? Close. Close. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he had actually, that bandage on his nose for a while. I actually jotted down while you were talking um, to possibly flip back to, to talking about settings. Yeah. And that's superhero noir. Oh, well, then that's a really good uh, segue, Jerry. <laughs> well, no, just just the concept. And it's been done in a couple of the I know, yeah. I know Marvel's done some noir, but to, to do that, that dark detective, yeah. I think it works best with the lower powers because it's not going wild, but it's grim. It's gritty. Right. It really fits on that side of the sliding scale of, of kind of capturing the feel of those old noir films. Exactly. And then I guess real quick, there is this sort of uh, you can sort of circle it back around to so gritty. It's campy. And I believe that may be referred to as grimdark. Yeah. Where it's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. You, you go or, or I've also brutal. I've also seen it actually referred to as bloody hilarious. (laughs) Um, Specifically, that's in a reference to something like Deadpool. Yeah. Where the violence is so, so wild. You know, the one of his issues of Deadpool starts with him strangling a trucker who's dressed up like Santa Claus and he's using a roll of barbed wire to do it. And the caption box says it started off like any other job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's going to take some that's going to take some skill. You know, like, how can I use the grittiness to create some humor or to create some camp or just to have fun with it. You know, obviously you're going to want, you're going to want to make sure you and your players don't mind some dark humor. That's really where that's going to, this can be best played, you know? Um, but, uh, that, I mean, that can be a fun, uh, fun setting or, or, or playing style. Or at the very least, it could be a fun break. Stop, you know, we're, we're not going to go kill dragons for their horde. We're not going to fight an army of undead. Instead, we're going to be heroes for a week or two of game sessions. And we're going to fight a necromancer who's raising an army of the dead. Except we're going to do it with laser beam eyes and unbreakable claws rather than magic swords and bow and arrow. Because really, all you need in life is laser beam eyes. That would be neat. That'd be neat. I could think of some other superpowers I'd prefer over that, but I wouldn't say no to that. Yeah, teleportation would be towards the top of my list. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to go with probably either super speed or telekinesis. I think regeneration pretty pretty boss, personally. But uh, I think right. before we get <laughs> off think, into our tangent. I think I think that was that was a fun little imp- improv wrap up um, <laughs> for our little foray into the world of playing superheroes. You know what? And tell us what superpower you think that you would like to have um, 
beyond any other what you think would be the best and i'm going to uh i'm going to set the ground rule right now omnipotence is not a superpower yeah don't give us any reality bending stuff come up with a real superpower <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. i want to be almighty we're okay. we're we're all game masters so let's uh let's, let's take the omnipotence away from this for now and then say what other superpower you think would be pretty cool to have pretty yeah. handy if i wanted to, to even if just in everyday life to break the rules reality bend type then i would go with time manipulation um well, yeah. one of the things that I like about t- teleportation is I can maximize time. Like, oh, I got to be to work right now. <laughs> and I'm at work. Oh, you know what? I only got 30 minutes yeah. for a lunch break and I'm at the beach. Or, or Oh, got to go back to work and I'm at work because I'm like, I'm you know, and this is the guy that's like usually just barely showing up on time. Or yeah, right. Late. So like being able to just be like, and I got to be at work now. <laughs> or, or maybe you have a cloning power and you can create a handful of clones. So like they're the ones that go to work for you and right. do your chores and stuff. Like you can be really lame about it. You can tell us why you want a superhero for just totally lazy reasons if you want. See, Jared's been spending the podcast working on painting his miniatures as well as as actual actually recording multitasking with with us. Um, And that was one of the things is like I want to be I want the super speed. So like I have two minutes. I'm going to get 300 figures painted. Right. (laughs) That would be nice. Anyway, that was a hell of a tangent. Jerry, you want to close us off? Okay. So um, we will, of course, be back more along, probably more along the lines of mainstream gaming uh, when we come back next week. Um, But in the meantime, definitely let us know how you felt about this kind of side trip through Superhero Town. Uh, You can get in touch with us on Twitter. With our handle GMS Studios, we're available on Facebook, and you can also like, comment, subscribe, and make us feel good in other ways. Uh, there's the message boards that are available to talk to us, and of course, you can always go to Patreon.com, Game Master to Studios, show us how much you love and support us, and get access to exclusive content, blog, and and other goodies to let us know what's coming up, what we're doing. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear. Give us any questions and comments. We'll get back to you, and we will see you the next time that we are in the studio.